Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian, and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim knows that every veterinary professional in practice has a wide variety of needs. That's why our equine veterinary technical solutions team, our VETS team, is here to provide education, product, and veterinary expertise, exceptional customer care, and regulatory stewardships. Our mission is to lead our veterinary community in technical knowledge and build a long-lasting relationship with our customers. To get in contact with one of our team members, please call us at 888-637-4251. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the AAP Practice Life. I'm Mike Pownall, and today we're going to talk about technicians in practice, particularly in ambulatory practice. And so I'm really excited to introduce uh, a wide variety of clinicians and a new guest to the AAP Practice Life podcast. So starting on the West Coast, I'd like to welcome Dr. Kelly Zaitunian. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me as part of the conversation. I'm looking forward to it. And then next, we are going on the other side of the Rockies. We got Dr. Shane Baird just outside of Denver, Colorado. Welcome, Shane. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And then finally, uh, returning guest, Dr. Lisa Kivett from North Carolina, Southern Pines, North Carolina. Hey, Lisa. Hey. So, Kelly, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Uh, let everybody get to know you a little bit better. Sure. I am the owner of a five-doctor, two-location, uh, fully ambulatory practice in Northern California. We're in the greater Bay Area Beyond that, to get out of everybody's hair, I also work at the local community college, helping with the veterinary technician program. Great. And Shane, tell us a bit about you and your practice. Yeah, uh, we are a three-doctor, currently three-doctor, looking to expand in uh, Golden, Colorado, just uh, west of Denver, serving the greater Denver area, all ambulatory practice, and extremely busy. <laughs> Yeah, you said it for a lot of people. And Lisa, welcome back. Uh, I guess I can say you you are an ambulatory soon to be not just ambulatory. Yeah, so uh, I own Foundation Equine Clinic. We're a three and a quarter doctor practice in Southern Pines, North Carolina. We've been uh, mostly ambulatory, but with a small sort of clinic facility for a while and are transitioning to a larger hospital and getting into a little bit more of the referral hospital kind of game here in like two weeks. Excellent. Exciting times. So we're talking about technicians. We're talking about the value of technicians in practice. And Lisa, let's just continue with you. So what made you start using technicians in your practice? So when I started my practice in 2013, I started it with a single part-time assistant. I would just want to go ahead and mention, I'm going to use the terms assistant and technician interchangeably, acknowledging that that can be problematic. I don't have any registered techs. Uh, I would love to, but I haven't had that opportunity. So yeah, I started off with a part-time assistant and just sort of really realized the value that she brought. But the huge game changer for me was when I was pregnant for the first time and I was a solo practitioner working by myself. And she 
really saved me. And I taught her how to do all kinds of stuff to keep me a little bit safer. And we've kind of continued a lot of that stuff going forward. So she learned to take radiographs and collect fecal samples and do all the sheath cleaning and all that stuff. And we've just carried that forward as the practice has grown to where the technicians do a lot of stuff. And Shane, how about yourself? You said you're a three-doctor practice. How many technicians do you have in your practice? We have one for every doctor. And a lot of the times, my technician switches if someone needs an extra set of hands and we actually need two technicians in a situation. We kind of have a floater and I've been graced with the ability to have a little bit of extra help around. So it's been really nice. And with the three of us, when we have technicians on vacation, it is it does slow our production down and our, our ability to work significantly. And so when did you start using a technician? So when did you realize that, oh, the, this, is, this is good? When I began in practice, my, my mentor, he had a assistant, as Lisa referred to, had an assistant. And I got to learn as a young veterinarian working with an assistant and have really never worked without one. Certainly get by during emergency situations without, but in today's world, I don't think that there's any way I could go without. Right. And how about yourself, Kelly? So uh, when did you start using a technician in your practice? I first hired a technician when I was starting to really grow the practice, kind of the first six or so months of starting the business and found that I was getting busy enough that I really needed the help. And I was sort of dipping my toes in the idea of adding on another associate, but wasn't quite convinced the business was there having that technician go out and do some of the appointments on their own was a really nice transition to give me a bit of a break, build up the business and also convince clients that, you know, they would still be okay if it wasn't me that they saw. So you just talked about something we're going to get to, but I think that's a key thing. I'm glad you brought it up in terms of technicians doing work on their own. So I want to come back to that. So when you're starting a practice, so it's an interesting example that, you know, six months into your own practice, you're like associate technicians. And I think a lot of solo practitioners have that balance of, ooh, how far do I grow? What do I need? And so why did you think a technician over an associate? I'd had the benefit when first starting the the practice of having, you know, a bunch of um, pre-vet students that worked with me. And so I just like Shane appreciated the need for having help you know, it's safer, it's more efficient. And it just got to the point that I needed to stop training somebody on a monthly rotation and and needed to have a dedicated individual that could really grow with me and with the practice. And I wasn't comfortable yet with the financial aspects of bringing on another veterinarian, but I could convince myself, you know, looking at the revenues that I, I would be able to support the salary of a technician instead. So I think really the, the numbers game is what made it most convincing for me to, to start with a technician. And so what were the actual numbers? Because I know this is the question we get a lot of, uh, and I hear a lot of like, well, how do I know I need a technician or how do I justify that? So um, how did you justify the cost? I mean, you're a new practice, you got a lot of expenses and yet now you're going to add a salaried employee or, or an hourly employee to your, your practice. And that's, that's a big move. 
It was. Yeah. And I, I came up with, you know, a spreadsheet of sort of what, what are the added costs that I'm going to incur by adding this individual beyond just the salary? And, you know, is the practice showing enough profit that one, we, you know, will be a a net net adding somebody on. And, And I felt comfortable with that. You know, I knew that I was making enough money to not only cover my costs and the costs of all of the new startup, you know, equipment and everything else, but also bringing that person on. It was pretty quickly easy to convince myself beyond the numbers that just the efficiency and the safety aspect would pay for themselves pretty quickly. Thinking through a number, I, in very quick math, I think figured that I I needed to convince myself of about $50,000 in additional revenue just to get hit the ground running and, and feel confident adding somebody. So that was my kind of magic number. And Lisa, how about yourself? I mean, you're young in practice, similar situation to Kelly. How did you, how did you justify this expense? I mean, I, I can just echo most of what she said, which is, you know, I can do so much more revenue in a day with one or two assistants. I'm so much more likely to take those x-rays or do that ultrasound because I'm not the one that has to lug all the equipment out and set it up. I can be doing something else. You know, they'll set it up. They'll take care of everything. My efficiency and my ability to generate revenue, it is sort of exponential on the cost of each assistant. Um, And then adding to that the safety issue, I'm so much less likely to get broken um, with a tech or an assistant handling the horse. Yeah, I think the safety aspect is something we often overlook, but... Yeah, it's so important. Shane, uh, I mean, you were experienced working with a technician, but in terms of you adding a technician to your practice or a vet assistant, how did you justify it at first? Honestly, as I've added associates, it's just been a requisite. I I didn't find it even an option in the process. I kind of like Kelly, worked through the numbers to make sure that it was going to net out in the end, but just being confident that productivity, safety, because if a doctor gets injured and they're down for a couple of weeks, that instantly pays for a technician's salary right away. To me, it was a no-brainer. And just having that extra set of hands for productivity, safety, and all of the things you guys have already talked about. Right. So Shane, just a, a question. How do you select a technician? So you're hiring your first technician. What are you looking for? Uh, how do you find them? What skills are you looking for? So. The way that I usually kind of conduct that interview is we do not have the liberty of using licensed veterinary technicians. We have assistants, handlers, however you want to phrase it. Really, I come at that interview telling people that I can help you along with the medical aspect of things. I need you to have horse sense and understanding of a horse because when we're working under that horse and not necessarily paying attention to all the body language, I need you to recognize the issue and that there is a problem about to happen and we can catch up on all the rest of the details. Okay. How about yourself, Kelly? What, what do you look for and how do you f- select a technician or a vet assistant for your practice? I was thinking the same thing Shane said. It's easy enough to train on MIGs per mil and this is what this medication does and this is how we set up these different pieces of equipment. But the horse sense is just something that you can't 
teach fast enough to keep people moving along. We had a new assistant start on Monday and it really came down to, is this an individual who is a good culture fit, who I can spend hours and hours in the truck, you know, together with, and yeah, are they a team player? Are they stepping up? Do they have that sense of an awareness of not only the horses, but also the clients because we, you know, are so directly facing them at all times. And and it really just came down to it. Is this somebody who really feels like they fit in because we'll put the time and effort into getting them on board from the technical aspects of it. Anything to add to that, Lisa? Yeah, my experience is fairly similar. I tend to hire people who have been working in local barns so that I know they can handle the horses. And then about a year ago, I read Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player. And I've been interviewing based on that book for the last year and have made several new hires. So just that's a really good book. Highly recommend for anybody who's looking to read a little bit about hiring the right kind of staff. One of the things we started doing of our practice is really insisting on a working interview, but specifically, I want to see them pick up feet. I know we've had people that have said, oh, I've got great horse experience, but they're used to really well-trained horses. And then you also, you get as, you know, in our situation, horses that are not necessarily broke, or they say they know how to lunge a horse. So I want to see them prove it other than saying it, to make sure they have the right habits. Kelly, I have a question for you. And this is again, a new question. And that is having a technician at the end of the day, you know, you're done seeing patients, clients, what kind of difference does having a technician make in terms of just your quality of life outside of work? The biggest one that I instantly think of, and I, I have a smile on my face, though you can't see it, is half of the medical record is already written. We train everyone, you know, technician or assistant, on how to use our cloud-based medical record system. And so as I'm going through the appointment and I'm I'm saying the TPR out loud or I'm giving the trainer client some of my information and observations. The tech is sitting there and just getting notes typed into the record. So it's it's like a scribe walking around. And that alone, you know, when you've had a busy day, you, sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, was it the left foot? Was it the right foot? And, and it's all there for me. So that alone just made the medical record system writing, you know, writing all of that down and sitting at the end of the day, much more palatable. Kelly, I'm... I'm working towards something really similar. I have a question though. Are you working with two assistants at a time or one? Uh, it depends on the day. Most of the time, one, though I have had a couple of opportunities. If we've had a doctor out or just a really busy day, bringing on two and man, it's, you know, you'd think that that is just such a luxury, but we got so much work done that day. and didn't skip a beat when a, a doctor had to take the day off. So to answer your your question, Lisa, it's with one or two. And when it's with one, they're typically, you know, writing quick notes. We're standing there and I'm just having a conversation with the owner. They'll they'll type in some quick notes or if I step away to start doing an exam or the trainer's lunging the horse, they'll be taking the notes for me at that time. Yeah, that was my question is the workflow for that one person how they get everything done. They're superstars. Yeah. 
you know, I kind of just can give them a little bit of like that eye and I know that they're writing it all down and, um, it, it, it's nice. We've gotten a flow. One of the technicians has been with me for five years. And so obviously not everybody's quite as up to speed as she is, but gosh, when you get somebody good and you can get that flow going, it's, it is really just incredible what you can get done and how good you feel as a team at the end of the day. That's pretty cool. So Lisa, have you noticed a difference with yourself in terms of, you know, after hours or is there an impact of a vet assistant on you? I just can't imagine my life without, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd be doing this. Right. Burnout happens there without, without technicians. I think that's where burnout really kind of starts because you've got all of the process and all of the projects and you have no relief at any point in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it carries over, like the comment to Kelly, it carries over into the evening hours, writing records and all of those things just keep going on, going and going. So Shane, in your practice, as years have gone on, has the role between the veterinarian and the vet assistants changed in terms of what they're doing, their roles, what have you? I wouldn't say necessarily, not in our practice. We're still very hands-on as far as the doctors are concerned. We've had a change in our practice. Two of our technicians that had been working with us for years have left. So it's been a relearning experience for my two associates, trying to get them back in the swing with new technicians and definitely seeing the difference from that old, comfortable relationship between two people to trying to redevelop that flow and that workflow. It's been a challenge for sure, trying to, to reset this process. Mm-hmm. I guess that's when it really shows how much you depend on them when you're missing them. Exactly. And I mean, from a, from a day in, day out, our flow is just to be able to keep us with the client and not turning around, trying to do things, trying to write records, trying to put together invoices. We don't have to worry about that. We know that that's occurring while we're focused and taking care of that client, answering the questions, being the customer centric practice that we've tried to become right and kelly how about yourself has the role changed uh between vet and vet assistant over the years it definitely has you know we try to push more and more autonomy as employees are with us longer and really get into a flow so um, an example i can think of is you know that technician who's been with us for quite some time, you know, she expressed an interest in getting bodywork certification and, you know, she went and, and got it and actually has days where she is on the schedule herself. So it's gone from the assistant and just working directly with a doctor, you know, in the day to day to actually having her as her own item on the schedule and, you know, we'll, we'll send her out to do adequate shots and some of those other things. I know you said we were going to talk about what, what people do on their own, but the more time somebody has been with us and, uh, the more that they get comfortable and the clients get comfortable with them, the more opportunities we give them to, to kind of get out there and be client facing and really revenue producing as well. For sure. How about yourself, Lisa? Yeah, I've been slowly kind of moving toward giving assistance, more responsibility, you know, a little bit like Kelly's talking about sort of as they've been with us and as they've demonstrated an interest. And you know, a good example is my assistant who's been with me for eight years now or something. She's now 
like taking radiographs and putting in IV catheters and, you know, basically my vision would be to work with two assistants all the time and to have sort of like a level one and a level two where the level, the higher level one would be doing basically anything that doesn't require ethically or legally, you know, a doctor and then another one to handle the horses because I need to be present legally and my brain needs to be in charge of making uh, diagnoses and treatment plans, but I don't need to be actually the one physically doing so much of the stuff. So it's a little bit of an insurance policy for me as well, trying to create situations in which I'm not physically needed quite so much. And that's a great segue into my next question. And that is, I mean, if you had a magic wand and how would you use your text differently in practice? Felicia, you've started, is there anything you'd want to add to that? I mean, if I had a magic wand, I would somehow manage to have revenue to pay these people really, really well. So I I do wish I could pay them better. They're fantastic. And then, yeah, working towards just, I would love to see a two to one ratio. So two assistants for every veterinarian. And I talked to my associates before this and they, they agreed that that just seems like magic. Whenever we do have a floater and a vet can work with two assistants, it's just so great. So I'd love to be able to see that happen. How about yourself, Shane? What's, what would your magic wand create for you? I think I would echo Lisa's idea there is, is magic dollars uh, to make sure that we are paying them better to, to retain them longer. In our world, they definitely are. I mean, it's usually not a, a lifetime position. They are going to come through, they're going to move through, and then we've got to start over again. So trying to figure out how to and kind of to turn the tables a little bit. Lisa, question for you is in that two to one ratio, is that in an ambulatory setting or the hospital setting or both? Or Yeah, I've been doing it more and more in the ambulatory setting. Very cool. And the follow-up there is as far as client reception on that, when, when both of you have been sending assistance technicians out, how, how are the clients receiving that? So I'll send assistance on their own for things like bandage changes and exceed administration, you know, stuff like that. And the clients seem very happy about it. Uh, some of ours will even do that. You know, if a exceed shot is due on a Saturday or Sunday and a lot of our clients don't feel comfortable giving it, I mean, they're just thrilled to have that assistant and the clients know the assistants and feel very comfortable around them. Sometimes I think they're more comfortable with the staff than they are with us as the doctors. So I think they love it. And Kelly, how would you use a magic wand? What would you want to happen if you could do whatever you wanted and and have your techs perform differently? Yeah. I'll say too, before I answer that part, our clients have been incredibly accepting of having the technicians come out. In fact, we provided what we called extended care services and um, actually would do like after hours care when people travel or on holidays and things like that. And it was mostly, you know, technician and assistant driven to provide just that extra little check-in and, and eyes on. And the clients j- just loved it and, and loved the idea of having a little bit of access. And, you know, they know that the technician has our direct cell phone number and, and the client doesn't. So it's sort of that peace of mind. So Shane, it's been super well-received on our end. and. Yeah, the the two to one ratio, the times that I've had the opportunity to 
do that has just been incredible. And we've rocked and rolled through days and, and done really good medicine. Uh, I like the idea of having kind of that backup plan. I've been injured myself and, you know, had a broken hand and hadn't been able to do the things myself. So I feel really good knowing that everybody is trained up to step in and take a set of radiographs or pull a shoe or, you know, do some of those basic things. So the two to one ratio would be nice if everybody could fit in the car and we could hire that many people. But I, I'm having a challenge getting to that point um, of finding enough people. I know my associates would love it. One of them works part-time in the small animal clinic and it's like a three to one ratio uh, in the hospital setting. So I know she'd love to see a little bit of a higher ratio of help as well. So that sort of leads me to my last question. And I think it's a relevant one in terms of if you ask a vet anywhere, I've talked to vets recently from Australia to Europe, Canada, US, and I think the biggest challenge facing our profession is a shortage of vets. And there's been a lot of research and AVMA surveys, and there's not a lot of people going into our profession. So is there a way we can use technicians to help fill that gap between what we need in terms of veterinarians and and what we can offer to clients? So Lisa, let's let's start with you. Can we do that? And, And what would it look like? Yeah. I mean, I think at, at the very most basic, you know, as a doctor, you can just do so much more in a day when you have adequate support staff. But then, you know, sort of looking prospectively at what is possible. I know I looked at my State Practice Act because one day I was like, certainly I could send a tech to go take these podiatry films, right? And then I looked at the Practice Act and was like, no, I can't do that. But some changes in State Practice Acts to allow techs or assistants to do some imaging with a doctor, you know, following up for the diagnosis or even doing like a teleconferencing at the time, I I would be very interested to see that happen. I know it's a slippery slope, but it could work. Well, I mean, I, I think the latest survey I was reading about uh, North America is that the shortage of vets is going to last to at least 2030. So we've got nine years to think about how we can use technicians and another vet assistants in another manner. So I think to me, this is why I'm, this is the part of the conversation I'm really eager about is like, what could it look like? Like really, if we put on our imaginoscopes and go like, what else can they do? Of course we have jurisdictions. Oh man, I could sit in my office and like they could do stomach scopes and upper respiratory scopes and they could do BALs. And I guess the problem would be, I do think a doctor would still be required to do sedation maybe, but it would be cool to have you know, doctor oversight virtually. So Lisa, we have had the opportunity to practice some of the telehealth uh, options with our technicians being utilized. And um, I can think of an example where I was at home and a patient needed to be seen that day. And the way that we were able to make it happen was the technician went down and performed physical exam and then called me on FaceTime along with the client. And we we talked through the history and the findings and were able to develop a plan and schedule some rechecks with me for the future dates. But, you know, the client's super happy because they at least have a plan in, in place. And again, it gives the technician that autonomy and I am able to pay them 
more when they go out and are doing these appointments on their own and, and have some of those solo types of approaches. Um, so that kind of s- solves the problem of payment as well when you can utilize them. And again, they're, they're producing their own revenue in some ways. How about yourself, Shane? What would, what would the future look like with you if you could, their text could do anything? I think Lisa hit it right on as far as you guys are talking about the right things as far as the, the telehealth aspect of it. I just, I mean, the devil's advocate side of me says, well, what happens on that bandage recheck when it's not the doctor's eyes, not the doctor's hands looking into that wound and something goes wrong um, because it wasn't caught. So the other side of the coin is we, we move in that world. I think we move from using assistance quote-unquote, to licensed veterinary technicians with a little bit more medical education. And, and I mean, some of those senior senior assistants that have been around for a long time, they've seen a lot of the things, they're going to recognize the problems rather than necessarily needing the education they've got it by the School of Hard Knocks, right? So I think there's it's a slippery slope for sure. Yeah, and I just, and I just wonder... And I don't know the answer. And, and this is just the, one of the things that I think about too often lately is with the attrition in the profession and so few people wanting to go into equine vet medicine, I can see five years from now and we're all sort of like looking at each other and going like, we need help. How can we, and how can we use people? And it'll be interesting if we sort of meet up in five years and sort of think of where we are now. It's, it's, I could see technicians doing a lot more and, and maybe more licensed or registered veterinary technicians. I, I think it's almost inevitable in our profession because there are so few of us. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, I took my dogs down to the small animal clinic for their vaccines and it was a technician appointment. You know, a doctor never touched them to, you know, get them aside from rabies. I think they weren't due for that, that particular day, but within the legal aspects of each particular state and country, you know, small animal is scheduling technician appointments. Why aren't we as, as an equine practice? I'll say in my state, at least almost everything requires sort of quote, direct supervision. So the problem then becomes if we are not physically on the same premises. So it would work for haul-ins and things like that when the doctor's on site, but sending texts for certain things to barns off-site, no direct supervision then becomes a problem. God, I'm starting to feel better about my jurisdiction because we've been using our vet assistants and our, our VTs to go out and do laser therapy, bandage changes. I mean, they're doing more and more just because there's not enough of us. There's a lot of latitude. Yep. Same here in California. Yeah, and I guess it just really comes down to your jurisdiction in terms of how lenient or what do they allow people to do underneath indirect supervision. You know, we are even talking, we have a, at one of our facilities, we have a, a boarded ophthalmologist that comes in every day. And, and because many of these horses need varying degrees of sedation, we always had a vet on. And I'm like, that's not a great use of your time to be there for literally a minute every hour to auscultate and, 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 and decide what is sedation. And we're even thinking about getting a, a, a digital uh, stethoscope that you can record. And so if all of a sudden, you know, the vet could be on the road and the technician can send an audio recording going, sound good? It's a 15-3, 1,200-pound horse. What should we get for sedation? Just because it's that, as veterinarians, our job is to diagnose. 
And if we're sitting around a lot of the times doing things we, we shouldn't have to do, I think that'll be a big advantage. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize, Lisa, what the limitations were. So I, that's, thanks for informing us. Yeah. In my state, sedation cannot be given IV without direct supervision. Same here in Colorado. Interesting. So, you know, uh, any last words uh, from any of you, of the three of you, because this is a fascinating topic and I, I think it's something that will expand more and more. I, I'm almost thinking I had a discussion with one of my associates the other day in terms of seeing uh, vet assistants or uh, LVTs having a, a greater certification to almost become like a, an equivalent of a nurse practitioner uh, in the human field where they can do so much more. Because I think when the state legislatures start hearing about people can't seeing their vets because of the shortage of vets, something has to give. I'm going to add, um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about what the technicians or assistants do for us. And when I asked a couple of my assistants, what do you think, you know, is the value that you bring here? And one of them had a really interesting answer because she discussed it from the client's perspective. And she said, you know, number one, the clients, it looks good. You know, multiple people get out of the vehicle. Everyone is prepared. It's, there's a very clear workflow. We look efficient. And then additionally, she said that she feels like a lot of the times the clients are so much more comfortable asking a question to her. Um, so, you know, the vet disappears back to the truck and the client goes, I have no idea what's going on. They can be honest with the assistants or the assistants know the clients really well and can pick up on things. And then add to that the stress that we take away from the client because they don't have to worry about how they're going to schedule that appointment, you know, who's going to hold the horse. We do require a client or a representative agent to be present on the farm, but a lot of these people don't feel comfortable holding for shots or dentals or whatever. So they just don't, they know that as long as they can have someone on the farm, that we're completely self-sufficient. That's funny. I had a client tell me that she's like, you save me money because you bring somebody. I don't have to take somebody away from cleaning stalls or training a horse and I'm not paying overtime and my people can focus on what they're doing because I know you've got such a great team. That's awesome. I, I also think that, you know, we already have a shortage of veterinarians coming into equine practice. It is becoming a necessary part of the package that you have a technician or an assistant available for a new associate. Um, so, you know, beyond, is it financially appropriate? What, what do they do for us from a revenue perspective, et cetera? I think it just has to be part of the, the package at this point in time. And my associate vets mentioned um, just how much better their mental health is, you know, having an assistant or assistants, just people to share the load and people to go, oh my God, can you believe that just happened? really just, it, it adds so much for everyone's quality of life. Absolutely. This has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, thank you very, very much. And I, I'm sure we could have this conversation even a year from now or two years from now. And I think we'll have different perspectives on it because I do think this is such a growing element of, of the profession. And I know people like the AAEVT has been such great advocates for a vet assistant and technicians. So I think, yeah, this will be a continuing discussion. Thank you all. Keep safe. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org.
Beringer Ingelheim knows that every veterinary professional in practice has a wide variety of needs. That's why our equine veterinary technical solutions team, our VETS team, is here to provide education, product, and veterinary expertise, exceptional customer care, and regulatory stewardships. Our mission is to lead our veterinary community in technical knowledge and build a long-lasting relationship with our customers. To get in contact with one of our team members, please call us at 888-637-4251.